constantly trying to reach that deeper level of better understanding because with a deeper connection with ourself comes a deeper connection to other people, to the work we're doing, to our greater purpose in life. And so for me, my work, which now is represented in a few different things that I do, but it all comes back to helping people better understand themselves so that they can connect deeper with other people, with their purpose, with the work they're doing, um, and with kind of their time here on earth. It's relational. Greetings and salutations, our good people. Welcome to another episode of It's Relational. My name is Kemar. My name is Deani. And on today's episode, we have another life story that we're going to touch on. And then we're also going to segue into some intimacy related you know, Q and A. Getting um, spicy. Uh oh, uh oh. And for those who don't know, you probably listened in some prior episodes. Deanny is a hundred percent pregnant, so intimacy matters here. Yeah, it works. <laughs> <laughs> um, but before we introduce our special guest, don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, and turn on notification bell. For anything it's relational because we're always going to have phenomenal topics and. More importantly, phenomenal guests. Yes. All right. So today, 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 who are we talking to? Dan, just drop the name of who we're talking to. We're talking to Sasha. (laughs) (laughs) We're talking to Sasha indeed. And now the way how the name is spelled, it's still pronounced Sasha. Just throwing that out there for those who may want to reach out to her. But we decided to bring Sasha on, you know, after a couple of conversations, um, she has a fantabulous life story that we wanted to highlight and then she also has a company called BBXX that talks all about intimacy, especially in today's age of social media, because we're quick to go to social media for learning instead of the actual physical books. And if you know people are going to learn via social media, you know, all that, might as well tailor your um, content to that so that you can grow and they can learn. Right. Yep. Right. So without any further ado, I'd like to bring up. All the way from, no, I'm not going to mention where she's from. She's going to mention where she's at. All the way from where she's at. Um, please welcome Sasha. Welcome, welcome. Hello. hello, hello. So happy to be here. I'm tuning in from Montreal, Canada. Um, I'm originally from the Bay Area, but I recently moved to Montreal and I am loving it so far. I'm excited to, to be here and uh, to get intimate with the two of you through our conversation. Mm-hmm. All right, all right. Now, for our listeners that may be in different parts of the world who are like the Bay Area, what does that mean? Let me explain. That is California. Well, I think that's more of a specific spot. Yes, thank you for clarifying. Yes, the San Francisco Bay Area. Right, right, right. Exactly. Yeah. So, yes, so she's coming from over there. So, when did you officially leave LA, I'm mean, LA, San Fran to go to Montreal? I don't know why, at least on my mind. Recently, just over the summer, I moved to Montreal in June. Um, so it's recent. I'm starting to get nervous about the weather changing and experiencing my first <laughs> East Coast winter, but it's been a really cool place. It's, I love how it's, you know, when I thought about moving abroad, Canada never never came to mind. Um, I'd lived abroad in Latin America and I love living in places that are really culturally different. And so Mm -hmm. I don't even think Canada would have really made it onto uh, my radar. It was more circumstantial, 
But right. Montreal is this very interesting, like European, incredibly diverse, lots of people from all over the world um, coming together in just a really unique, beautiful way. It's one of the most interesting and most diverse places I've ever been. So I'm really loving it. And it definitely feels different than the US, different than other parts of Canada. So I'm I'm happy to be here. Ask me midwinter how I feel about it, but we'll see. Right now I'm really happy to be here. Well, good luck to you in the winter. Yes. Um, <laughs> Stay warm and cozy. <laughs> so in Montreal, because we, well, she's been to Toronto a few times. I We went to Toronto last, in August, it feels like. Yeah, that is last month. Well, we in October, whatever. Um, and the vibe in Toronto, overall Canada, was definitely different from America. So, you know, I can definitely attest to what you're saying. Just the environment and the vibe is definitely different. Um, totally. I get it. I get it. Do you see a lot of, because I, I think Montreal is more known for English and French. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. see a lot of signs that are are both, or do you see like one way only like some spots are English, some spots are only French? Like, what do you see? Yeah, I'd say everything's in both. If there's only one language, it's French. So you'll sometimes see some things that are only in French. Uh, it depends what neighborhood you're in. I'm in a more English speaking neighborhood, so you might see both. But in general, throughout the city, the greeting is bonjour, hi. It's always like bonjour, hi. It's almost as if it was one word, but it's like bonjour, like hi, hello in French, and then hi, and they put it together. So they're always saying hi to you in both languages. Um, wow. And yeah, yeah. And Montreal, it's even more European, even more. I was just in Toronto, and in comparison, it's way more uh, kind of culturally different. There are different immigrant populations that are more common in those places. Um, So here you have a lot of the French-speaking countries in Africa, the French-speaking countries in the Middle East who have kind of bigger immigrant populations here. So you've got uh, both Toronto and Montreal are such incredibly diverse places and New York, right? I think statistically speaking, New York might be, you know, one of the top, but I think the dynamics between people is, is different in each of these places. And, um, yeah, it's like a funky, cool place that mix of like, if you're, it's European, if you want to go out during the week and do something on a Tuesday, there'll be out people out dressed up and having dinner at like nine, 10 PM which I know in New York is probably a thing. In San Francisco, it's not. (laughs) Um, People go home at like 8 p.m. Yeah, I don't know. It's vibrant. It feels vibrant. Got it, got it, got it. All right, then. Too easy. So, you know, Montreal is the next place for us to visit eventually. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think so. Yeah. All right, then. So that's now stick a pin on the map and we're going to go there. Yeah, so in the such. summertime. <laughs> I, yes, in the summertime. And I love that you guys were just in Latin America because that's where I, I lived abroad before and would definitely always be, has a very near and dear place in my heart. Oh, yeah. So we need to get into that. We need to get into that. So let's talk about a little bit of your upbringing. Can you tell us where did you spend all your life? Well, no, in your younger days, did you spend your life in San Fran? Like, let's talk about the earlier days of Sasha's and then we're going to kind of get into a little bit of the uh, other stuff. Yeah. Um, and I'm assuming I'll kind of just make it relational and relate it to, to kind of my background and right. what I do today and intimacy and self-awareness and all of that. So yeah, I'm originally from the San Francisco Bay area, right across the golden gate bridge, 
place called Marin County. And I grew up there my whole life. Um, I was born there and my parents got divorced shortly after I was born, a couple months after I was born. And so um, in a lot of ways, you know, I had access to good education. I had access to a lot of things, but I never had access to or was privy to what a healthy relationship was. And that wasn't something I realized until I was 20 years old. I didn't have any examples to look to. My closest friends, their parents were divorced. My parents were divorced. People in my family, uh, aunts, uncles were divorced. And it wasn't until I was about 20 years old when I started spending a lot of time at the house of one of my close friends at that time and being witness to her parents and their beautiful relationship where a lot of the kind of false beliefs that I had developed started to kind of have holes poked in them, right? Mm -hmm. So I had spent my whole life thinking, and the divorce was very messy. We won't go into it, but you know, there was a lot of drama. There were a lot of disputes. There was kind of issues with mental illness and a lot of stuff happening. And I thought based on messaging that I received from people, maybe based on self-protection mechanisms. I thought that growing up, I was in on a secret that marriage was a hoax, that love was a lie, that you couldn't rely on other people, that it was better to be independent. And I thought that, you know, I was in on this secret right? And that it was better that I knew it. And so I kind of spent a huge chunk of my life thinking that. And then I found myself at the age of 20 witnessing this relationship between two people who were best friends, who went on bike rides together, who like drank wine and played games together at night, who just had this beautiful friendship mm -hmm. and they were happy. <laughs> And it didn't appear that love was a lie and it didn't appear that marriage was a hoax. And I was like, wait, 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 what is happening? Is, is this what people have been talking about? Like, this is what people have seen before? This is amazing. Like, wow, if this is an option, then like, yeah, I want in on it. Like, I, I didn't know this was an option. And so that same summer, I had all of these different false beliefs come tumbling down. It was also a time when I, you know, overall was realizing just how much of the most important education of all in life that I had missed out on. So communication, relationships, intimacy, sexuality, I am from, you know, the San Francisco Bay Area is one of the most liberal places on earth, yet I had received no education in sex, sex education, sexuality as a part of your identity, not even communication, relationships in general, right? And so I realized, how have I, you know, I'm from this place and I know nothing at this age. What is it for everybody else, other places in the world? Like if this is supposed to be one of the most in the know, one of the most liberal, one of the most technologically advanced places, like 
what's going on in other places? Mm. And I started to just like immerse myself in this world and start to have conversations with people about what was your sex education like? What do you know about, you know, your sexuality? Are you in touch with your sexuality? And learn how much our culture had manipulated us and had, you know, yeah, had like either there was just nothing right at school. And I think at home people think, well, if I just, I won't go out of my way to teach my children about these topics, then like they just, it'll be neutral, right? They just won't know anything, but no culture will fill in the blanks. Like all of these misconceptions and misinformation in movies and conversations mm-hmm. in, you know, peer groups. Oh, they're going to fill in the blanks with lots of that is going to, you know, really hold us back later in life when we don't think that we're entitled to our own pleasure or when we're, you know, uh, under beliefs about patriarchy and all of this and what sexual empowerment actually means. And there are just so many toxic messages that are engraved in every part of our culture down to the language, right? If you think about language, that's kind of where it all starts because we're if we don't even have the language to talk about these things, to have the right conversations, language shapes the way we think, therefore the conversations we have and therefore the way we act. And especially at the time, you know, the only language that I heard in relation to female genitalia, negative, negative, negative words, all of the ways that, you know, female body parts were being used in language were insults. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. So it's like, if you go down to the granular level, then we don't realize how much we're subconsciously absorbing all of this negative messaging that we're being bombarded with on a daily right. basis, let alone in the movies, let alone whatever it is right now, I think in the movies and TV shows, it's so different. Mm-hmm. than it was then. But I mean, like, you didn't even have people going down on women in movies. Like, or if you did, there was probably a negative joke made about it, right? So we've come a long way yeah. and, <laughs> and we still have such a long way to go. But um, yeah, so it was a- about that time that, and by this time, you know, I'm in college and I had this moment where I started to have this like... <laughs> mind imploding realization that I had basically like been lied to by culture my whole life and then had been lying to myself my whole life and had internalized a lot of really damaging messages about sexuality, about love, relationships, female pleasure, whatever, every, like you name it, right? And then through these conversations with other people, I realized I'm not the only one. This is, I'm not the only one. I'm one of everyone. And the more I started talking about it, the more people wanted to engage in these conversations, the more other people came forward. And it was uh, a year or two after that in college where I was in, I was taking an art class. It was a class called Personal Narrative taught by Kip Fulbeck. And it was all sort of, it started out as a creative writing class, but then there was a lot of performance art involved and a lot of intimate conversations being had. And there was this one day that 
we were playing a game where somebody was in the hot seat and people were asking questions. And the question being asked to the the gal who was in the hot seat at, that day was, what's, what? Adolescent sexuality isn't just about seeking pleasure, it's also about seeking emotional intimacy. I, you know, I realized I just really love focusing on him and that's really how I get my pleasure. I was like, this, I was like, this was my story. This is too many people's story. This story, like, I'm so sick of this story. Like, why is this the story of so many people? And granted, this was a while ago and this is, you know, young kids in college. I don't know what it's like in college these days. I'd love to think it's totally different. I doubt doubt (laughs) it's as different as I want to think it is. But it was a story of like, no, that's fine. You know, I'm just here for the experience. And no, that was this huge aha moment. And I put together this entire project and it was this cookbook that were recipes for intimacy, whether it was emotional intimacy, sexual intimacy, these interviews that I compiled Um, and I did a, since it was like a performance art class, I did an infomercial, like a fake infomercial, like a cookbook, a cooking show, right. Where I presented the cookbook and all of these things. And people came up to me after and they're like, can I get a copy of the book? Like, I I need this book. (laughs) And that's when I realized that everybody needed this type of information. And that ball just kept rolling. I went on to then start my company and I would have conversations with men in their 70s and 80s who were fascinated by this topic, who talked about the intimacy issues they had with their wives and like this realization that intimacy is one of, if not the most human thing that there is. This is something that affects all of us. It's how we connect. I use intimacy as almost as a synonym to connection. Right. It can be emotional connection. It can imply sexual connection, but it doesn't have to. Right. Right. Friendships, intimate connections, intimate relationships. Intimacy is human. That's what distinguishes us from so many other animals. That's what makes us tick. And I was having these conversations and realizing how much, how important it was, and how this is also a forever journey learning about intimacy. Because intimacy is a reflection of your relationship with yourself and your relationship with yourself changes your whole life. And you can only go as far with other people as you can go with yourself. And so, you know, your circumstances in life change the, the point, the stage of your life, right? You, you're pregnant. Like this is totally different. And then there's another, you bring life into the world. Like there's no point where you're not evolving And therefore your relationships aren't evolving your relationship with yourself and therefore your relationships with other people. And so, um, we so easily accept that, you know, your favorite types of food or your style of clothing changes throughout your life. But why don't we realize how much, you know, intimacy and our relationship with ourself also changes just as much. And that's, that's not bad. That's great. That's necessary. But what's also necessary is keeping up with it and making sure that we're actually living in authentic alignment to who we are at that stage in life. 
um, and constantly trying to reach that deeper level of better understanding because with a deeper connection with ourself comes a deeper connection to other people, to the work we're doing, to our greater purpose in life. And so for me, my work, which now is represented in a few different things that I do, but it all comes back to helping people better understand themselves so that they can connect deeper with other people, with their purpose, with the work they're doing, um, and with kind of their time here on earth. I have a lot that I want to kind of unpack. You know, I want to start out with, um, I'm glad you took the approach to actually, um, I guess you want to say maybe on a scholastic level, talk about intimacy because people kind of look at it as almost as like a a taboo of a word. It's like, Oh, intimacy. Whoa, whoa. Mm -hmm. What's that? What's that? Like, it's just about, you know, just, you know, sexual. And that's really it. People look at intimacy only as a, a sexual connection. Like you said, it's much further than that. Like people don't realize, you know, physical intimacy it can be as simple as holding hands or a hug, a very, you know, near and dear hug. So I'm mm-hmm. glad you're able to, you know, unpack yeah. and debunk that thought of, oh, it's only a physical aspect, right? There's a lot more that I know we want to, to, to go in through, but hey, my biggest thing- crew, listen up. Listen, we just dropped the ebook using our 13 years of being together and put it into the top 25 tips we feel you need to be in your best relationship ever. Whether you're single, in a relationship, in a situationship, married, it don't matter what the status is, these tips are curated specifically by us in order to help you be a better you. So hit that link, download our ebook so you can have a long-lasting love life. (laughs) My biggest thing is, I didn't know, you don't realize how much people are lacking knowledge in one subject until you start to you know, talk about it until you start to learn about it, until you are, you know, have further conversations like gentlemen in their seventies and eighties are like, wait, what, what's, what's going on? Like, what does that mean? Dude, you've lived your whole life and you didn't know what the definition or what even intimacy really was. Like, that's crazy. Um, yeah. A lot of people who didn't have information or they did, but didn't have an outlet to talk about it. And they're like, oh my God, I love talking about this. Right. But didn't have that space where they could go to. Right. You know, as as soon as what I realized is people were just waiting to have these types of conversations. It's not that there was this stigma, so nobody was talking about it. But as soon as you just opened the lid, it was like, yeah. everybody yeah. wanted to talk about it and had so much to say. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think that's um, what I appreciate um, for you, Sasha, is that when you realize that all that you were um, taught, all that you were taken in. Um, was a negative connotation on relationship, mm-hmm. on love and, you know, intimacy and those kind of things that like you decided to educate yourself in that field instead of being stuck in that, um, I'll say, ignorant mm-hmm. mindset, right? And a lot mm-hmm. of people, like, they things come to them and they like, oh, wow, what I was thinking was wrong, but they're still stuck in that ignorant mindset, not allowing themselves to grow and be open-minded, mm-hmm. you know, and have a different thought process on things and how they view things. They just feel more comfortable in that ignorance, I'll say, <laughs> instead yeah. of changing and evolving, like, yeah. a, like what you were saying. And it's crazy how much your parents can affect you in that kind of yeah. way. Yeah, and it's crazy once people realize, you know, how much you don't know, it can become very scary because it undermines everything you thought you knew. And then you have to question everything. And like you say, sometimes it's easier to stay 
where you are. And of course, even more so outside of this topic, people are comfortable in what they know, right? In quotation marks, what they think they know. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, as you were just saying, we were talking about sometimes it's easier to stay in the safety of what you know or what you think you know because change requires you to question and challenge mm-hmm. everything you thought you knew. Right. And as soon as you question one thing. Hey, relational crew, listen up. If you haven't checked it out by now, we dropped an ebook on the top 25 tips to have a beautiful, long-lasting marriage. So the, the link will be in the description below. So enjoy and soak up the knowledge because, ooh, it's, it's relational. And that falls through. And then you go deeper and the next level falls through and so on and so forth. All of a sudden you realize I have nothing left to stand on because if you dive deep, dive deep enough, these are root issues that have sort of like percolated and transcended all of the levels of, of who we are. And so change can be really scary because it sometimes requires us to like uproot our entire identity and redefine it. And that's a lot of work. It's not easy. It's some of the hardest work that there is. It is. It is. So let me segue back into you creating the inception of your company based upon, you know, the countless conversations that you've had that led to like, people are lacking knowledge in this simple, not simple, in this subject of, you know, just understanding intimacy. Did that now prompt you to go to other, you know, to live abroad to kind of gather more perspectives from other people in terms of um, the topic? Yeah. So after I graduated from college, I went on a year-long study abroad program. I was a D1 athlete, so I didn't have the opportunity to study abroad. And I went to all different parts of the world, spent several months in each place, uh, Tanzania, India, New Zealand, Mexico, Guatemala, and studied globalization and social movements. And again, just realizing how different things are around the world, but also how some of these root core issues are are the same everywhere around the world. And when I came back, I had this idea for, okay, how do I take what I did, this project, this cookbook, this concept, and turn it into something else. And I ended up working in Los Angeles in digital media production. And then the idea started becoming something that would be digital to be more scalable, more accessible for people around the world. And I basically had written this like manifesto of what I wanted, like the message I wanted to get out into the world, why it was important. But I really hadn't taken the leap. I think there was a lot of fear holding me back. And um, I was kind of in this limbo. And then uh, something happened that totally changed the trajectory of my life. And I lost my mom in a a sudden and fatal accident and Mm -hmm. a phone call. And in one second, my entire life changed. And Everything I thought I knew about my life, what my life would be, what would be possible for me was just gone. Like I just couldn't 
accept this new reality that I had been forced into. And I kind of just collapsed and I went into a really deep, dark, dark place. And it was during that time that I realized the only thing that every day kept me going were my close relationships. Mm. And it was like this huge void had been left of like, will this void of the most love I've ever felt from anyone, which is, you know, your mom ever be filled. And the only thing that helped me day to day was love, you know, connection with the people who were close to me, their support. And I realized that our close relationships are the only thing in this life that really matters. Like Mm -hmm. the rest is just details. And as I started to dive into it deeper, I learned that our close relationships actually account for 70% of our happiness and 90% of our well-being. Wow. So better relationships literally equals a better life. And it was that kind of dark time and this loss that just was, I just quit everything. I quit my job. I applied to a Stanford entrepreneurship program with the idea for my company. I got in, that took me to Santiago, Chile, to Latin America, to like the end of the world almost. Um, And this beautiful experience where I worked on this company and this program. And then after that, we got into an accelerator program in Latin America in Chile and we got funding. We got a grant to work on the company. I started running the company down there. And that was sort of the beginning of these other things that grew out of it. Um, But the, the purpose behind it has always been to help people realize what's actually important and what's actually not. Right. And that's one, right? Our relationships, better relationships equals better life. And that starts with the most important relationship of them all, the one with ourselves, right? Mm. Because again, we can only go as far with other people as we can go with ourselves. And so this journey of self-awareness, self-growth, challenging our perspectives, challenging what we thought we knew, um, growing and evolving with the different changing times in our life, Um, and, you know, helping people live more fulfilling relationships with themselves, fulfilling relationships with other people, with their work, with their purpose, um, and, you know, tune out the, the noise so that they can have kind of more fulfilling lives overall. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is, that is good. And while Sasha, now condolences to you, I'm losing your mom because, and losing a parent is like, mm-hmm. there's no words to describe it, mm-hmm. like how you felt, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah. um, we're happy that you have been continuing your healing process through that. Mm-hmm. And I like that you leaned into your friends, you know, I had support and that mm-hmm. your friends were actually good friends to keep around right. in your life. Yeah, it shows you. Yeah. It shows you an interesting side of people. Yeah, for better yeah. or for worse. Because some some people, when you get into that that dark place, and they they tend to just more be close into themselves, mm-hmm. and you're just trying to fight this battle alone. And it's like no, like lean into your family, lean into your friends to support mm-hmm. you during these dark times. Because you know we, yes, we were all born alone in the womb, unless you're a twin. But you know people are around you. Like we all need that love and 
uh, that compassion from each other to better support each other. You know, we, we should show each other more togetherness. And I like that they provided that for you. It's very yeah. important. Absolutely. Very important. Absolutely. I, I, I kind of want to touch back on when you mentioned, you know, the quality of your life was kind of defined by the type of relationships or the quality of relationships you have. Um, yeah. Because a lot of times we think of the, you know, the, the tangibles, the untangibles, like we always think those are what makes life life. But when you think about the relationships, right, um, just to, you know, not the, the greatest image, but I just thought about, I remember hearing one time, you know, a person who, you know, when they ultimately, you know, pass away at like a funeral, right, the, the largest of the profession or procession, you know, is defined by how well connected they were, how well relatable they were to people. So, you know, when you see like a smaller procession just means they maybe wasn't as, you know, connected or had, you know, long, you know, relationships with a lot, a lot of different people versus a larger procession, you would see like cars on cars on cars on cars, you know, following, you know, the procession. So I don't know, that that just came to mind for me because I've seen both scenarios, a small procession, I'm like, wow, only a car. And then I've seen large that stop traffic. And I'm like, wow, that person's very connected. Not a celebrity status, but that person's just very connected. Um, yeah, it's like, like we get it. There's some people who are more introverted, you know, like, oh, whatever. But it's like, you can be introverted and still make friends, you know? You know yeah, or- and I think going back to that, it really is about the quality, right? Like, you can have a few good friends, and that, I mean, that's all you need. But yeah. it's, it's really that quality over quantity maybe some people have both right um but that quality being the the defining factor and like you said people tend to think of oh you know what am i living for in success and tangibles and money and job and what is that all for right when you are trying to work to get a certain title or to make money oftentimes that title is for recognition what does that come Mm -hmm. from other people the money you want to make, what do you want to use it on? Probably to to do things generally not alone, right? Mm-hmm. Like you want to have a support your family. Uh, when you have accolades and successes, do they mean ever, anything? If you couldn't share it with anybody, like if you had no one to share it with mm-hmm. and to celebrate, would it mean much? You know, everything you can relate it back to the ability to share it with other people. Maybe it would still mean something, but it wouldn't mean as much. And yeah. it wouldn't be as much fun, right? Like, so, yeah, that's true. That is so yeah. true. And then that idea of, you know, at the end of at the end of your life, this reminds me of this amazing study, this woman who was a hospice nurse. And she did a study where Bronnie Ware, I think is her name, an Australian nurse. And she did a study where she interviewed people at the end of their life and compiled the biggest regrets that people had. And the number one biggest regret at the end of their life was, I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life that others expected of me. Number two was, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Then I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings, followed by, I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. And the fifth one was, I wish that I had let myself be happier. So like 
none of these are related to money. The only one that might be is the one where they wish they hadn't worked as hard, right? Right. These are related to going after what you actually want, living a life that is actually true to who you are, not the default life, not the life you think you should be living or that will fulfill other people's expectations of you. And then related to connection and relationships and other people, you know, but sometimes that only becomes clear. We only have the privilege of that clarity when, when maybe it's too late. Mm. Yeah. And those, those are very deep, deep assessments right there. Very deep. Yeah. Yeah, It really puts a really tough mirror up to, to things. So my invitation to anybody listening would be to ask yourself, you know, where you stand on all of those. If, you know, something were to happen, if today were your last day here on earth, would you be able to say you don't have any regrets in those, those categories and to use those, you know, hopefully you have the, the luxury of many, 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 many years ahead of you, but how can you still use these reminders to guide you to make sure you're, you're living it in a way that, um, is, is true to you and true to the, guiding principles of kind of health and happiness and connection. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. So everyone, you have homework. <laughs> <laughs> Sasha gave you homework. So yes. <laughs> so segue into, um, you know, the inception of, you know, your company. And so, you know, when did you officially, um, when it officially launched, uh, like mm-hmm. what year and like, where are you now with it? That's the next thing I wanted to ask. Yeah. I, I launched my company in Latin America in 2017 mm-hmm. when I lost my mom and I, I didn't even get into the chronic health problem. I mean, I mentioned some of the mental health problems. I then had to have an emergency surgery. There were a lot of complications. I, my physical and mental health for a two and a half period were totally out of control. I was in chronic pain following the surgery for about a year and a half. Mm. Um, all during which the thing that kept me going were my close relationships and a fierce conviction to get this message out to the world. Mm. So I was working on the company in Latin America. And then at the beginning of 2019, I moved back. I kind of left the company there and, um, moved back to the U.S. and launched the company through a podcast. I decided I wanted to do things more digitally, more scalably. And I started my podcast, which is called BBXX, Let's Get Intimate. Mm -hmm. And that message then became the main representation of the company and this message. And essentially the goal is to change the culture and the conversations surrounding intimacy and relationships. And so on that podcast, there are um, interviews with experts, um, lots of kind of personal narrative stories. And um, that was something that, you know, could be accessed by people all around the world. We'd have people writing us from Turkey and, you know, Croatia, Eastern Europe, Latin America, all different parts of of the world, which was a really important part of it to me was making sure that this message was accessible. And again, just so interesting to see how global some of Mm -hmm. it was, right? And that people can relate to this anywhere. 
Right. Um, and then from there, I started getting into coaching. Um, and I was started partnering with coaches on behalf of BBXX. And then in order to better understand the world of coaching, I got certified as a coach myself. And in 2020, um, started working as a coach. And that part of the company kind of took off and is now separate. And I do a lot of executive coaching. I do something called business and holistic life design coaching, where um, sometimes it's executive founders kind of on that side of things. I work with a lot of scaling startups. And then I also work a lot with uh, freelancers, individual contributors, and, and small business owners, right. like founders of their own smaller companies. And really helping people realign, get clear on what their values are. And again, like look at this, hold up this kind of harsh mirror to, to the way we're currently living and say, okay, is the way I'm living actually in alignment with what I believe in, with where I want to be, where I can live a life without these regrets um, and helping people realign the way that they're living and the way that they're working a lot of times um, so that it is in better alignment with their values, helping people get through uh, combat burnout, helping people, again, just constantly be developing that deeper self-awareness and actually figuring out what do I want? Who am I at this point in my life and how do I build a business and grow and scale a business or not, right? Mm -hmm. In accordance to what it is I actually want for myself and kind of escape that default life, the default way of making decisions. Um, and so I, I do that on my own and I help run the operations for an executive coaching company called CoLab. Um, and so all of these, you know, seemingly different facets are all really in alignment with my purpose of helping right. people better understand themselves yeah. right. so that they can develop deeper on the side of BBXX relationships with other people on the side of coaching healthier relationships with their companies um, and, and, you know, tap deeper and have a deeper connection to their, their purpose. Right. Right. So you went from, you know, uh, you're essentially like a a life coach almost, you know, like being able to kind of like all around help people in just their life, you know, intimacy is important, but just kind of all around, like, yes, like, yes. And I'm now I work with most people who it's like executive coaching or the business and holistic mm-hmm. life design coaching. But a big part of it is even if somebody comes to me and they only think that they want to work on work related things, uh, we're very dynamic people. You know, I yeah. coach people based on the holistic view of, of who they are and how they want to design their life. And, Again, if you're burnt out, if you're working too much, why do you want to work less? Right. Generally, so you have more time and energy to spend with your friends, your family, the people you love, right? Like, yes, you want to rest and maybe you want to be alone, but a lot of it is so you have more time and energy for these things that you have realized that matter more. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's all related and the change and the impact, even if you're working on how am I a leader and how can I lead by example? so related to being a parent, like having a baby is so related actually to being a founder and having a startup. There are so many parallels. Um, and each change you make in these different kind of spokes in the wheel of your life, they always come together and kind of 
trickle out into the other, I don't trickle out, like explode out right into the other areas of your life and have huge impacts. It's not just siphoned off into one area of your life, especially now more than ever after, you know, we're still in COVID, but with COVID and this new life and work remote, our work and our life is more intertwined than it ever was before. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And and thank you. You're doing a a great, a great justice to the community. So now, yeah, the world, because now people can not only say, my name is Deanne. I like the colors blue and red. You know, (laughs) they can start saying that more. And I I enjoy walks on the beach instead of saying, my name is Deanne. I am a supervisor. I enjoy numbers. Like, you know, some people you ask them, tell them about yourself and they're telling you about their work. And it's like, I said right. about you, what, yeah. what do you like? Where's your life outside of work? Right. So I'm changing the conversation. So thank you so much. Congratulations, crew. Listen up. Listen, we just dropped the ebook using our 13 years of being together and put it into the top 25 tips we feel you need to be in your best relationship ever. Whether you're single, in a relationship, in a situationship, married, it don't matter what the status is, these tips are curated specifically by us in order to help you be a better you. So hit that link, download our ebook so you can have a long lasting love life. Thank you so much. Yeah, Yeah, expanding our own sense of our own identity and who we are and recognizing that we're we're so much more dynamic than perhaps the ways that we've been living. 100%. 100%. So um, I have a couple of, I guess, general intimacy-related questions I want to ask, you know, the BBXX side of you. Um, for instance, what would you say has been a major, like a specific major intimacy struggle that you've seen amongst, let's say individuals, forget couples for a moment, individual, where do you, what do you see like a major challenge for a lot of individuals intimacy wise? Adolescent sexuality isn't just about seeking pleasure. It's also about seeking emotional intimacy. Relationship with themselves. Um, I think when people are not sure of what they want, or they they think they want one thing, and they're going after, they've created you know the checklist mm-hmm. of what the person does. It's all of these surface level things. One of my best friends once put it as like column A and column B. Column A has all the things where like, oh, this looks good. This sounds good. And column B is like, can you have deep conversations? <laughs> Do you have the same sense of humor? It's like it's much deeper, more important things. And people tend to chase column A rather than really leaning into column B. Um, I think, you know, focusing on what you're looking for in another person rather than on yourself and, you know, if you are on your own, if you're uh, self-partnered, as I like to call it, because you're in the most important partnership of them all, Good. really leaning into that okay. self-partnership and working on yourself and you becoming the person that you need to be to even be able to be in the relationship that you you want to envision for yourself. Oh. Oftentimes, we're not even yeah. ready. We're this amazing person to come along. Like, we wouldn't even be able to make it work at that time. Because we're not ready. We haven't done a lot of this awareness stuff. We haven't given it enough time. Um, and it really does take time. I think people are not patient. 
I think our culture still does a horrendous job at putting timelines on things and making people feel pressure that they need to be at a certain stage in life. And again, there's always this grass is greener. You know, I have talked to people who got married earlier and had kids and they say, ah, you know, I wish I'd waited longer and this and this. And then people who, you know, are maybe still dating or uh, self-partnered and they're like, oh, I'm behind the timeline. And people are like, I'm ahead of the timeline. I'm too far ahead. People are like, I'm too far behind and just too much comparison. And part of that is just our culture breeds that unhealthy culture of comparison. Yeah. And so recognizing that these things take time and trying not to be on a timeline and just constantly trying to be one of the number one pieces of advice that I give to people in dating is like, your job is to either be learning or having fun. Either, ideally, eventually, you know, it's going to be both and maybe you'll have a partnership. Maybe it'll last forever and maybe it won't. Maybe, you know, either way, it's still going to change your life and be beautiful in a lot of ways and I'm sure hard in a lot of ways. But when we're dating, how can we at least either make sure, you know, you're learning about yourself or maybe you're learning about other people and the way people work or a certain topic and an industry that somebody works in kind of learning, being curious or like having fun. Right. Um, and, and each one of those is going to reach a limit at some point, right? You're not going to be learning as much. Maybe the relationship will come become more challenging or maybe it was fun for a while and it's not. So it's always important too to, you know, we oftentimes subconsciously know when something has lived its time and take years and years and years to actually admit that and actually get out of it. But no, no. And you might not feel this yet, but know that you are going to be okay on your own. And maybe you're going to be amazing and better than you ever thought you were going to be. And that it's never too late to walk away. It's also, you know, never too late to give something another shot if you think it deserves another chance, but you're going to be fine. We are so resilient. We research shows that we are terrible at predicting how we're going to feel and that we one over predict how positively materialistic things will influence us. We think getting the new car, getting the house, getting the promotion is going to have, we overestimate how much it will impact us. And we underestimate our own resiliency in terms of when we are faced with adversity, if we go through a divorce or a breakup or lose our job or whatever it is, we severely underestimate our own resiliency and our ability to get through that and and find ourselves. And so, um, I think all of this is, you know, constantly focusing on your yourself and this journey to to self-awareness and learning and growth. And sometimes that's with other people. Sometimes it's on your own. Um, sometimes, you know, you never know what package that's going to come in, but you're, you're on the right path. Just trust in yourself and know that you're on the right path. Right, right. I like that. And just Sasha just said it very eloquently. Do the work. Nazita, you're working on yourself, you're working in your relationship, and you're enjoying the process by having fun and then learning as well. Be open to learn mm-hmm. and realize that, you know, a lot of times sometimes it's you and sometimes it is the other person. Yeah, and, and sometimes it's circumstances. Yeah. 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 You know, and Okay, if it's me, then let me work on me. Let me take that time to myself to have that 
better partnered relationship, right? To work on me, work on me so I can be better off for the next person that I will then meet and fall in love with and have a beautiful relationship. Right. Yeah, that ownership over your process. Yeah, that responsibility. Ability, yeah. Like you are more, again, like we were talking about earlier, it's so much easier to believe that something is the other person. Because that releases us of the responsibility and the ownership. And like, yeah, they probably did have a big role in it, but nothing is 100% one person or the other. Everything is synergistic. And yeah. owning that responsibility, having ownership, that empowers you because that means you can actually change things. Mm-hmm. That means you can actually influence and change your life. And then mm-hmm. you are not just a victim of your circumstances. But guess what? That's scary because that means that it's up to you to change things, which as we discussed, is really hard. Yeah. But it's also really exciting because it puts the power back in your hands. Yeah. Growth is wonderful. Yeah. And you know what, too? Um, piggybacking off what you said, Sasha, um, a lot of people always have this checklist of what they mm. want in a partner. And I, I just got to go back to it because I feel like that's a societal societal norm if you will like Mm -hmm. you got to have a checklist of what you want however they don't tell you make sure you are ready to um accept or have what you're looking for on this checklist make sure you're on the same level with them Mm. whether it's intellect whether it's financial like whatever it is but they never tell you make sure you're prepared for that person because when they come if you're not at that level they're not seeing you eye to eye and so you're saying you need to have two checklists one for them and one for yourself wow wow you know you never hear that it's always like i got a checklist because it's like he has to be this tall this color eyes you know this and this and that this kind of personality gotta have the humor down to like the ear size the ear size the nose gotta be straight (laughs) you know all these different things you always gotta have fresh breath which is great that is a key but it's like where is your checklist for yourself? And that's that, true. That That's what I really wanted to highlight on, Sasha, because when you said it, I was like, it's right. Like, they never tell you, be ready for them. You know, they always just tell you, just find them. They're out there. They have somebody who has all the things on your checklist. Yeah, manifest the person. And it's like, okay, but what about you? Are you even there? You're saying they not they have to be a, a certain level, but where's your level? Right. Do you even have a level? Ooh. Then when you realize, oh, shoot, I got no level for somebody now no if listen the cap fits you gotta wear it and then you gotta accept it wow. you know i know i wasn't on a, a certain level at times i had no level and i had to learn and grow and change <laughs> and <sometimes laughs> it was just like you know, your self-esteem is to the floor you're like okay let me pick you up girl <laughs> let's, and let's sometimes you can right meet somebody and learn and grow together yeah sometimes you gotta be at a certain level before you can and i would encourage people not to think of you know and I have an, I draw issue with the checklists because people really, they tend to, it's always like physical things, materialistic things, right? Like let's go back to those regrets and stop thinking about what the person's going to look like or what they're going to do, but how they're going to be, you know, how are they when they're being not doing, what do you want instead of what do things look like? How does that relationship feel? And yeah. try and try and tune into that when thinking about like what energetic level are you looking for and what yeah, true. are the feelings you want to have in that relationship, you know, like joy, spontaneity, adventure, connection, whatever it is, fire, you know, whatever it is. But um 
I, again, it all comes back to this question of like, what's actually important and what's not. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Very much and so. that's a better checklist to have everything that you just said. Right. How is he going to make me feel when there's days when I'm feeling down and sad? Mm-hmm. Like, how is, how is his yeah. response or her response is going to be in that moment? Are they going to give me a hug or, you know, wipe my tears and just have a good conversation and make me feel better or are it's just like well they look good <laughs> yeah, the you know what i mean it's like you got to change your mindset on things mm. yeah mm. right very much so well then um i'm sorry because i still would want to hone in on the checklist yeah. because it, it like when you really think about it like that's what's really publicized and like put forth like mm. oh like she said manifest who you want you know put yes that out okay and so a story there, <clears throat> and I would question, you know, I, I'm all for manifesting that person in the version of you. If people do have a checklist, I would uh, I invite them to question how many things on it are materialistic or physical and maybe make that checklist more dynamic. And then two other ideas are some, an idea that I came up with and I invited several of my friends to do is to write a letter to this future person, lover, partner, whatever it is that you want to meet and have this amazing connection with. I invited people to write a letter and people kind of wrote it in their own ways. Sometimes it was, you know, talking about what they like doing, how they are, what they believe in. Um, some of it was like more conversational. So, and I did this exercise myself with one of my, my close friends. We sat down one day and like, it doesn't have to be serious. You could like drink wine or have a beer, write it with a friend. We wrote ours and then we read it back to each other. And mine was like a mix of funny stuff and light stuff, but about, you know, what was their mindset? Like, what's the way they thought about the world? What were the things they were passionate about? Mm. A lot of like their perspective on life. Right. Um, And I wrote that letter and one year exactly to the week I met my now partner. I have another friend who wrote a letter and she just got married. And it's crazy because she met her partner the same day that she wrote that letter, like later that same day. And I'm not going to say you're going to write this letter yet. Crazy. Crazy. (laughs) I'm not going to say you're going to write this letter. You know, I have other people who wrote the letter and, you know, it helped them really get clear on, on what they wanted Mm -hmm. and what's missing. Like we oftentimes have these great relationships, but there's something missing, but we don't know what it is. They don't work out. It really helps you put things into perspective and figure out what are all the things you want to take from all these past experiences, current experiences. What are the things that are working that are great, that, that you love and what are maybe the things that are missing, whether that's in you or in this other person, uh, in the way that you're living these relationships? And that letter to me was really, really helpful for for getting clear on what I actually wanted. Right. And then one other way is I know somebody where he decided, okay, I want to meet somebody. I'm ready. Um, and he would meditate and he would try and tap into the energy of this future person person that he wanted to meet. He would like envision her and what her energy was and use that of like, okay, I need to get on her level because I can't meet her until I'm on her level. So using it to like inspire him to be better, to do the work, to all of that. 
to try and he was seeing the energy that she was at, even though he hadn't met her or anything. Right. And then was trying to say, okay, how can I match that energy level? What are the things I need to do to, to learn and grow so that I'm ready? Mm. Look at that. And that also clearly worked very well for him because he's now in a beautiful, amazing partnership. Look at that. See? Yeah. So some creative ways, you know, maybe yeah. people like it, yeah. maybe people don't. Maybe people like the list and that's great, but just think of what's actually important what's not. Yeah, it's more to it. Yeah, yeah. it's more to it's it. It's the self-awareness the yeah. and the realization of just like what you said is just what's most important mm-hmm. and the qualities that you actually want in a person, not the physicalities. That's what we got to be more focused on. But right. the world, um, people got to turn off what the world view is and more be more focused on their own personal views. Oh, yeah. Stop attaching everything to what the world views. Right, right, right. Yeah. Hmm. That's very true. That's very true. Well, Sasha, oh, you know, you've, you've gone through a lot with us and just the mindset. Um, so I appreciate it. You know, just thank you for for just bestowing you know, such knowledge on us because there's a couple of things that are, are out there that, you know, people are unaware of or aware of, but they just never speak on it. And I feel like you use your platform and your voice to touch on that. So very appreciative of that, because like you said earlier, people want to talk about these things, but they don't have an opening or they don't know the right time. But as soon as Sasha comes along, blah, 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 like everybody's <laughs> ready to go. Ready yeah. to go. So um, what I would like um, for you to tell us, Sasha, what would you say would be just some maybe one or two like key points that can help people with their intimacy levels in whether with themselves or like in their relationship. Mm, actually, actually more focused on the relationship since we are relational. Well, yeah. Single matters. Too. Oh yeah, that's true. Single matters. <laughs> sorry, well, sorry, single people. <laughs> Everybody. Before we talked about self-partnered people. So for this one in, in thinking about maybe if it is a partnership and right all about when you, if somebody is looking to meet somebody, then it's helpful to know. I think that, you know, the other day somebody asked me if, like, it, are there really, really partnerships, relationships that feel like magic and are really easy and great and effortless and you know they said like things look on social media um first of all i was like social media i'm i have a theory that the more perfect things look on social media the less perfect they probably are behind the scenes yes um and yes there are relationships that feel easy but not always right like there are always circumstances that are going to change maybe you happen to find some great person and then you go through some really tough shit and somebody loses their job and you have to move or you lose a person who's really important to you and then maybe like everything blows up in your face and it's a lot harder so nothing is is permanent and i think the relationships that i know that are ones that I look to and admire and are really great. They've all had really tough points in them. Right. And it's like, maybe they just went through more shit all at once for like a year or two. And then now they get to breeze for a while. Right. Because of everything that they went through. Right. Um, but I don't know any really great relationships where they've never been through tough shit, never had to have tough conversations. Right. That being said, like, 
no real a really great relationship shouldn't feel hard every day it shouldn't ever feel like yeah. it's changing who you are you shouldn't have to it's hard because the two of you are trying to come together and learn how you can still both fully express yourself as two really different people and make space for that and be able to understand each other. That's what's hard. Mm. It shouldn't be hard because you have to change who you are, right? Like you're going to learn and grow and get better communication and maybe get rid of some bad habits and like some triggers that you're going to work through, but you're not, you shouldn't be sacrificing who you are and what you want in life and changing because of that relationship. So that kind of reality check of like things are easy, but make sure that the, the, when it's good, that it it is worth that work, right? That's kind of the measuring stick. Um, and I would say that I think one of the, the most important, if not the most important things in a relationship for the success of that partnership is to feel that you're on the same team. There's no worse feeling than when you don't feel like you're on the same team and you're maybe playing on opposite teams or they don't have your best interest in mind. Like, do you know without a doubt in the bottom of your heart that that person has your back no matter what, are you on the same team? And like, it doesn't always mean agreeing, right? Like maybe going back to sports, like somebody makes a bad play but that's okay, right? You still like oh, volleyball, right? They always do the high fives after, like no matter yeah. what. They're every single play. They're like, I'm here. I got your back. We're good. And that feeling of of that you're on the same team, that to me is maybe the most important thing in a partnership. The feeling of being on the same team. Wow. I like that. That, that wow. is... Wow, because it may, it, yeah, you're right. It doesn't make sense. One is on your offense. One is always on the defense because yeah. teams always go against each other. Um, you yeah. know, you may have the same team, but teams always are opposition to each other. So it makes so much sense. Yeah, so much I sense. like that that perspective because like, like what you said, you may have a bad play here or there, but the goal is to win in the team, right? Yeah, you, know, you have the same have interest in mind, yeah. the shared goal. Right. Yeah, that's it is share goal, not selfish goals, share goals. Right. Yes. Right. Very good, very good. Well, um, thank you so much again, Sasha. You know, you graced us with such, you know, everything, you know, from the wisdom, you know, sharing some personal testimonies from you. Um, because obviously sometimes when you talk about your own story, you don't think of the magnitude or you think of the magnitude and sometimes it's like, Oh, do I share? Do I not share? So we just thank you for being transparent and going through some of those uh, maybe touching matters. But most importantly, touching on the intimacy-related um, you know, topics and, and concerns and questions. Um, I know this is obviously a very larger topic, and you know, we condensed it a little bit, uh, but it can go in so many different directions of yeah. you know, what we're talking about. Is, you know, the physical, the, the, the emotional. Like, there's so much that we didn't get to cover on this episode that you know, we probably would have to do another one. Not probably, we'd have to do another one just to touch on the individual elements so that it makes sense. And, you know, so people understand it's okay to be intimate and it's okay to talk about it. A and lot to be vulnerable, to which, um, vulnerable in your relationship, you know, don't be so guarded all the time. It's like, let them in, oh, yeah. you know, let them show that, show those emotions so they can better 
be able to help you through that and um, assess the situation because mm-hmm. we don't read minds here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't speak it, if I don't see it, I don't know what's happening to you. Yeah. Very good. Very good. So were you you looking to close up shop then? Yeah. Yeah. So, so thank you so much, Sasha, again, your perspective and your mindset. Wow. Definitely going to give a lot of good conversation in the comments. So drop a comment on just everything that Sasha went over with us. Oh, one other thing. Where can um everybody find you? I almost forgot about that. Oh my goodness. Oh yes. Perfect. <laughs> yes. So Number one, the BBXX podcast, Let's Get Intimate. You can find that uh, wherever you podcast. Then you can also find uh, us on Instagram at bbxx.world. And then you can also find me on Instagram. I may or may not be active on Instagram. I go through phases where I forget it exists and then other phases where I'm like, oh, this is such a great tool. <laughs> yeah. But you can find me at Sasha Lori, S-A-S-Z-A-L-O-H-R-E-Y on Instagram. And um, yeah, I think that's that's basically it. Those are the best places to find us. Shoot me a message or shoot me a message on BBXX. Oh, one other thing. Where can um everybody find you? I almost forgot about that. Oh my goodness. Oh yes. Perfect. <laughs> yes. So number one, the BBXX podcast, Let's Get Intimate. You can mm-hmm. find that uh, wherever you podcast. Then you can also find uh, us on Instagram at bbxx.world. And then you can also find me on Instagram I may or may not be active on Instagram. I go through phases where I forget it mm-hmm. exists and then other phases where I'm like, oh, this is such a great tool. <laughs> yeah. But you can find me at Sasha Lori, S-A-S-Z-A-L-O-H-R-E-Y on Instagram. And um, yeah, I think that's that's basically it. Those are the best places to find us. Shoot me a message or shoot me a message on BBXX. 